Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Oh my gosh, Becky's back. I'm so excited. Welcome Becky to uh, gosh, installment part two of grooming, AKA manipulation. Hola, hola, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Bienvenidos, welcome all. You know, I'm sitting here in my home office. I have my window to my backyard. I see little sparkles of snow um, here in Kentucky. I just saw a little blue jay land on some deck that I have in my backyard. And uh, I'm just noticing in this moment, it's nice to feel connected to nature and to be here with you today. And uh, because we're going to talk about some difficult things and, you know, our listeners out there who, after listening to our first podcast about what manipulation and grooming is for sexual abuse and sexual assault, um, you know, this might be a hard one, you know, another hard one to listen to. So I'm just, I'm glad you're here with me today. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in, coming on and helping me to bring to the listeners the practical part of what do we now do if we have suspicion that uh, someone is grooming slash manipulating us or our child or anyone? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. You know, the first thing that pops to my head is How many people are groomed and manipulated more so they don't realize it till after the fact? Oh, there's the zinger. Yes. Yes. So the part of us that wants prevention and education, um, a little, a little part of us kind of bows down and backs into the corner and says, damn it. A majority of people don't even know until it's been going on a while Mm -hmm. until a boundary gets crossed. And then they start to question, wait, is this going on with other people or um, why does this person care so much about my kid or, you know, those aha Mm -hmm. light bulb moments. And we've talked about it in the, in the previous podcast too, that, if we're referring to generational trauma, boundaries um, may not be super strong and it's really hard to realize or culturally, like this is culturally appropriate. This happens in my country or, um, so there's so many, so much, so much that comes to mind. Um, Cause I mean, if you think about it, Jennifer, can you stop for a second and realize you know, without saying it, but we're talking about the person 
a time where you figured out you were being groomed or manipulated? Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Especially, um, I think back with the knowledge I have now at 46, okay? And I look back on my lifetime. I look back on when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, when I was in my early 20s, okay? Yes, absolutely. Did I know what that was called? No. Did I have a feeling within my tummy and within my abdominal, abdominal area that something doesn't feel right, but I don't know what it is? Yes. Yes. And all of that is with the eyes and wisdom and learning of a 46-year-old person who's a therapist that works with those who've been sexually abused and assaulted. So think about how many times a, um, a man or a woman has come in your office and they want to come process their history of sexual abuse and they automatically minimize it and even question if it was sexual assault to begin with. Like 95% of the time. So now imagine a child or an adult who's being sexually groomed or being groomed for sexual perpetration. It's hard because parents or even teenagers will, they minimize and they feel like the reaction or the response to what to do if you're being groomed is quote unquote, like too much, or am I overreacting? Yes. Yes. Or, um, I need to protect someone else. I'm going to cause more harm than good if I bring this up. Yes. Because what if it's not true? Mm-hmm. I'm going to harm this relationship. Uh, my mom or my dad is going to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's so much shame there. So much shame. Like that's oh, in my, in my nervous system. I'm going down to dorsal and I'm like, oh, shame. I'm going to put it out there. I don't like the topic of this podcast because it makes me feel helpless. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling that in my dorsal state uh, of my nervous system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning I was in ventral, I was feeling safe, connected. I, I, yeah. All of those thoughts and just thinking back and reflecting, I just walked, actually, I just ran through sympathetic. <laughs> I was like, Peace out, bitches. I'm going to dorsal because it's too much. It's, I don't like it either. So to approach it, I think you really got to separate it between adult and kids. Mm-hmm. So if you're an adult and you realize that you're being groomed, if you're being manipulated, If you're really able to sit and think, what am I getting out of this relationship? Is it two-way? Is it healthy? Is it safe? Um, Are my boundaries clear? Is this person crossing my boundaries or making me feel as if my boundaries are silly or gaslighting me. 
I don't feel, so I guess the question is, people are identifying that they're being groomed. And I think that's a hard one to identify, but even mm-hmm. though we did talk about that before, now what to do? So as an adult, it really depends on if we're talking about grooming and an individual hasn't been sexually harmed. Um, we know that they're emotionally being harmed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it may not look like emotional harm. But no. it is, yeah. So it really depends on someone's personality. It makes me think of Green Dot when we talk about work and we talk about distraction, delegate. Is the third one? Distraction, um, delegate, yeah, was, direct. There you go. Being like, if you are going to be a direct like involvement, yes, yes, yes. So my personality is direct, and it would be an immediate. Um, here's what I've noticed. I don't feel safe. Um, our relationship's over. And, and for someone who doesn't have um, an assertive personality is completely going to backpedal and think, whoa, that is over the top response. Well, and if you bring that to your nervous system, that is a sympathetic reaction. That is a fight response or end or flight, right? Mm-hmm. Like out versus um, somebody who's home away from home and their nervous system is dorsal is at the bottom of the ladder. That response might be, I am unable to speak those words. Right. Yeah. So how do you do that indirectly? You ghost that person, mm-hmm. you block them on social media, you block them on your phone. Um, what if they're a family member? You are finding ways to avoid family situations. The hard part about grooming is, guess what? Most of the time, it's not illegal. Yeah. yeah. Like, who would you call the police? What are they going to do? Let's be real. Nothing. Well, you say that, but I do think for children or even adults, if it's verbalized and it's in the system, to me, it's creating a notification. It's creating. Well, I was was thinking, I was thinking like, you know, like a lot of times when we work with kids and we talk about if someone tries to ever touch you again, what are, you know, safety planning. And a lot of kids will say, oh, I can call 911. So I was thinking in this moment, like, I'm going to use a male gender here because we've talked about many times that statistics and research show that perpetrators are male. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Uncle Johnny, uh, you know, was tickling me and I felt uncomfortable. Yes, you can call 911. I always, I don't want to ever dissuade anybody from calling 911. But then the reality that meets that is what, what is an officer going to do with that information? That kind of goes back into that dorsal place of the nervous system of feeling helpless and hopeless, you know? Um, or what if I don't have a trusted adult or friend that I could tell? You know, that's a hard space. Because in any of these situations, it's going to involve a trusted person Mm -hmm. or finding a trusted person to help you figure out a plan of what to do. Yeah. Um, I think for parents and for people who are listening and if they have children or someone in their life, being able to help identify those safe people 
what's your counselor at school? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you go to after school program? Who's your teacher? Is it, um, you know, a step parent, a grandparent? Maybe it's one of your friends' parents who are loving and supportive. Because as a kid, adults can't help unless, you know, the adult notices the grooming or the child tells things that make them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And let's say that the parent notices and the kid isn't able to identify. As a parent, I'm going to create a safe environment. Um, I'm going to address that with that person and say, these are the things that I've noticed and I'm uncomfortable. And I, because I know as a therapist, I want that person to know that I'm watching you. I see what you're doing. Um, could that be a deterrent in future cases? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I'm also aware that most individuals don't feel comfortable doing that. But let's just say I did, and that's one route. Then how do I discuss it with my kid? Mm -hmm. Mommy's noticed this happens. How does that make you feel? Um, And I would use it as an example for my kid to know that, well, how does it feel in your body? Did you listen to it? If you didn't, I wanna encourage you, it's okay to let mommy know, I'm not upset. We can like Uncle Johnny, but we're not going to let Uncle Johnny do those types of things or say those things because it can make us feel uncomfortable. And then some of the things they're doing may not even make you feel uncomfortable. It may be, but it's still learning opportunities. So if Uncle Johnny buys presents all the time Mm -hmm. and and treats my kid different than the other cousins, I'm going to use that as a learning point for my kid. So let's talk about when we get presents. It is really cool to get presents, but I let Uncle Johnny know that we can't do that all the time. It's it's hard because you're using all of these examples as continuing educational moments with your kids. And a part of me is going to want to reach out to um, maybe someone else in the family. But I'm also aware for the third time that I've already said this. I understand it's I what I'm explaining is a difficult thing to do. It is difficult, especially like reaching out to others. But sometimes I think when we ask a question instead of making a statement, that Mm -hmm. might be a little less intimidating for our nervous system. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, like when, let's say you went to your uh, cousin, Hannah, who's around your age, you know, has kids too, you know, Hannah, have you ever had any concerns about uncle Johnny that's a really broad like mm-hmm. and Hannah has then the opportunity to sit and reflect and think and then Hannah can say yes or no right because that is a yes or no question but it's also kind of an open question too because then Hannah could say what do you mean and you could say well I I don't know. Like I'm just thinking back and I saw that uncle Johnny has been like, just over too many presents, like more than I get my kids. 
Has that ever happened in your family? Because we know that this is taboo and, and people never want to make a big deal about something that they're unsure of or stir the pot or cause conflict, rock the boat. Mm-hmm. So you're creating space to talk. There you go. Ooh, you're creating a safe space to talk and to connect and be a little curious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So I feel like communication is key when we're talking about what to do when being groomed. Um, Because in this situation, I want my kid to know, you know, some of the concerns. Mm -hmm. Use that time to educate. Mm -hmm. I may go to the police depending on exactly what's happened with the grooming process. Mm -hmm. And let them know or social services um, in case Johnny's in the system and I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Or this helps create a case for... um, it brings an awareness up for law enforcement or social services to see, oh, wait, we got a call a couple months ago. Is this something we should flag, something we should look into? As you were saying that, that just sparked something in my, my brain. And I don't know how many listeners are aware of this. And I can only speak for Kentucky and the United States of America. But we have a sex offender registry, you know, where citizens of the Commonwealth can go and look at their neighborhoods. They can actually look for people's names, like, and it'll, it won't give all the details per se, but it'll say what they were convicted of. Yep. Boy, what an interesting way to kind of begin to vet and look at potential dating partners. Mm-hmm potential friends uh, and just kind of do a little peekaboo of your family. Um, I'm going to share something in this moment because you had asked me the question about grooming and I responded, I'm going to share this because I think this is important. When I was a kid, um, my mom had a family member come live with us and he was older. He's, he was like about maybe 20, 20 to 25 years older than me. And I was around third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. So nine to 11. Mm-hmm. He uh, was my aunt's son. Well, my great aunt's son who lived in Florida. And um, I remember meeting him younger and then it's older. And I was like, I just had that feeling in my stomach of like, something's not right. Didn't really know, you know, it's just, he didn't make me feel comfortable. Um, Looking back, he didn't groom me. He didn't manipulate me, but I had that feeling. And boy, did I keep, like away. I even told my mom and told my parents and my grandparents, like, I don't like him. Like I, I was pretty bold, like, and I still am. Well, I'm more refined now, but if I don't like you, you're going to know I don't like you. you know? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Um, 
I would do like mean things to him. Like um, I'd mess up his clothes. I'd mess up his shoes. You know, I'd make his food. Like I'd pour like all salt in it or I would do. Cause I was like, as a child, you don't have power to make someone leave, but just by doing mean things, you know? Well, eventually he disappeared. Like ghosted my mom, like left Kentucky. She never heard from him again. I, at that time in my mind, I was thinking, oh, it's because of my actions. Like I'm a bad bitch. You know? I put ketchup in his ice cream. Yeah, I'm a bad bitch. And he lived with us for a few months. And then she moved him out of the house when I had said, was very vocal. I'm like, I don't like him. Something's wrong with him. Like, I don't. Mm. And then he went to, <laughs> she put him at the, the 231 motel here in Owensboro, Kentucky. <laughs> you know, that little place by the Colonel, you know, you already know where I'm going with this. Like your brain's like, oh, I'm there. Gotcha. Well, we never heard from again. And maybe about six or seven years ago, my mom had said, I wonder whatever happened to blank. And I said, well, hopefully he's dead. I mean, really, I was just, yeah. She was like, how, how could you say that? I'm like, Ugh. when I started working at New Beginnings and I learned all the education about sexual abuse, grooming, like just everything about trauma and stuff, I thought, I wonder if he's, I'm just curious, you know, I wonder if he's alive. Let me tell you, I found him in Florida and guess what? He was in jail for sexually perpetrating on boys. Yep. You tell your mom that? I did. I did. And I said, hey, you remember a couple of years ago when you said, whatever happened to blank? And I said, oh, I hope he's dead. And you got mad at me. <laughs> That's how our conversations go. She's like, yes. Well, mom, I found him. She said, holy shit, you did? And I said, where is he? I said, he's in fucking jail where he belongs. I said, he's a perpetrator. And he liked to perpetrate on little boys, mom. You know what her reaction was? Really? I said, why are you saying really? You should be saying, oh, that makes sense. And she said, what do you mean? I said, how many times did I come to you and tell you, I don't like him. There's something wrong with him. He's not okay. He's not a good person. She said, well, you never told me that he touched you. And I said, because he didn't. I said, there was something wrong with him and my instinct knew. You know, now, if that had been in my 20s, I would have had a much different conversation with it. It would have been a not good one, not healthy. But it was like, you know, mom, this is really important. This is, this is why kids try to speak up and try to say something is wrong. Let's say just about anything. And then the adults either don't want to think that of someone else. Right. Can't think that of someone else or don't see that themselves. And they dismiss. And that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. I definitely use the tool with the sex offender registry list um, when I'm educating clients mm -hmm. so they can see. Um, the scary part is how many are actually oh, yeah. on there. And yeah. we know yeah. that a majority of them aren't. But it's still a good tool. 
it's a way. Yeah, it's just another like very non-confrontational of I can just check real quick and see, you know? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I digress, but that was like, ooh. No, I mean, I forgot. I mean, when you said that, I was like, oh yes, the sex offender registry list, yeah. Uh, this also seems like a little much, but I can remember um, like a friend who, when she, she felt like she never had good luck dating. Um, for us as therapists, we know, AKA, it would be good to go to therapy so you can address boundary issues, being able to identify red flags, right? Um, but a part of it was when she started dating somebody, she would go down to the county clerk's office to check to see if they were married. Ooh, or what if you check to see if somebody has had an emergency protective order placed upon them? Can you check for that? Yes, you can. It is public record. Would it be, um, you know how you can look up people's records? Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to remember because I used to do that all the time in my 20s when I was dating someone. When I worked at um, the Cabinet for Health and Family Services, Child Protective Services, um, you could, and back then the internet was so new. So don't get me wrong, this is like 20 years ago, but you could, like, I would Google like uh, the county, the state, like, mm. and like emergency protective orders or something. But it, it's a public. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's public. So you can look and see if somebody has ever had an emergency protective order placed against them. You know what I mean? Like, because they were the aggressor. Yeah. That's another great way to vet somebody. I like that idea of checking to see if they've ever been married or if they are married. Oh God, that's brilliant. You say that, but it also pops up for me as a trauma response. Uh, well, hell yes, because... So I mean, do we really need to be encouraging people um, to do those things as a part of relationship? Let me, let, me, let me say this. I'll put a little nugget on. That was 20-year-old me who didn't understand and have a good sense of boundaries, didn't understand and have a good sense of instinct and red flags. See where I'm going? So maybe, yes. I own it. It is my trauma response because I want to know so I can be prepared. I'm hypervigilant, obviously. But it's also, I think, important for people who are not there yet. Like I'm talking 46-year-old person. Like a safety net? Yeah, because it can be both, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, think about how many people, um, like with all the dating apps now. Oh, Lord. You know, like, um, you know, before I got married, I, I met my husband on a dating app and I was like, you know, are you a serial killer? Like I asked the question jokingly, right? But you better believe I was doing like deep dive information. And um, did I have a friend who worked for a police department in the state of Kentucky who I asked to run a background check? I sure did. Is that a trauma response? It sure was. Was I trusting of myself uh, seven, eight years ago as I am now? No, I was not. Would I do that now? Probably not because I do trust myself now fully. I mean, I'm just thinking an adult who realizes that they're being manipulated. Mm -hmm. I think it really <laughs> depends on your personality. So what to do, you know? Your options are kind of limited. Creating boundaries. Mm-hmm. 
do you still want to have somewhat of a relationship with this person? And then where are you going to set your boundaries with it? Um, yeah, it is, it is limited. And if they don't respect your boundaries, knowing that you can continue to move forward to set stricter boundaries, contacting the police, mm -hmm. uh, contacting a rape, rape victim crisis center to consult to say like, here's what's going on. So they can help normalize. No, it's not okay that they're doing that. Um, here's some options that we have for you. Mm -hmm. If you're an adult whose child is being groomed. You know, we're forgetting too about like online grooming because there's a lot more options. Um, With all those video games and... Yes. Yes. The um, the ability, what's it called for, and I'm not a video game person, but multiple players where you could be playing with somebody in Kansas who is pretending to be your age. Right. And really they're a 67-year-old individual. So I think if something like that's going on and you notice it as a parent or you're a child or an adolescent and you tell your parent, there are more things that you can do in terms of blocking, even though that person could just come up with another username, but you have the ability for online support guidances. Um, there's national crime agencies that are affiliated with online manipulation and grooming because it's a lot easier for them to just move on. They got shut down, moving on to somebody else. So being able to put that out there, making reports, mm -hmm. talking to your child about education, providing that really good feedback. Thank you for sharing that with me. Let's talk about why this didn't feel okay. Yeah, the internet safety. You know, we, we provide that. Um, I think if different groups request that in our communities. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny, it's not funny, but I'm watching um, a Netflix series that I'd heard people talk about and it's all about online manipulation and grooming. Oh, what is it? Clickbait. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Hmm. It's just a lot, isn't it? Yes, and, and that's why I feel helpless is because you're neither proactive or reactive in this situation. I mean, mm -hmm. you are if, if you stop it, but mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't feel like it's anything bad until the line is crossed. Mm -hmm. Actual sexual perpetration of some form or fashion happens. Mm -hmm. Like that's usually the boundary that gets crossed and you're like, this doesn't feel okay. Mm -hmm. Because our brains can almost justify this person's being nice to me or they're paying me a lot of attention or you know, whatever grooming technique, if you base it on the things that we talked about in the last um, podcast, it's mm -hmm. the response seems harsh. I hear it over and over again. Yeah. Or think about for those individuals who have a fond response in their nervous system of people pleasing. Yeah. And it's 
I don't want to make that person mad, even though they're making me uncomfortable. I don't want any conflict. So the dorsal, the helplessness comes to, I've identified it, but I can't act on keeping myself safe. I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. Or a thought might cross my mind. Like if I have siblings, I need to protect them. I think like rain, um, the ra the rape and abuse incest, what is it, their national networking system. Mm -hmm. I have that like um, in the body of the details of the, you know, podcast all the so, time so people can look there too. Thinking if you're in this position and we're speaking directly to you, the individuals who can identify that there's some manipulation going on, you don't feel comfortable or confident in setting boundaries. How about reaching out for support? How about asking, what can I do in this situation? What are my mm -hmm. options? And to being able to connect with somebody. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And so for like the adult, that could maybe be a trusted person. Mm -hmm. It could be. And I guess I just said rain because mm -hmm. we know that they're trained specifically in sexual manipulation um, and it's anonymous. So if you don't feel like you can tell or talk about it with a different trusted individual, you could call someone who is an expert and it's anonymous and confidential. True. And then there might be some people whose nervous system that picking up a phone and making a cold call is just too much too. That's why I was kind of thinking, you know, um, a trusted friend. Yeah. I mean, Jennifer, when you think of kids or adults, what else comes to mind on what to do when someone's being groomed? Well, my home away from home and my sympath is sympathetic in my nervous system as well. And so, um, I think about in my adult life, if I find myself to be in the presence of an individual who does not make me feel safe, like public, private, whatever, like, I'm like, mm, nope, not today, Satan. You know, that's my response. Um, recognizing it's not everyone's is, that's why I love Green Dot with, you know, distract, delegate and direct. Um, and also realizing that in that moment, my nervous system might feel comfortable enough to be direct, but in another moment, in a similar situation, my nervous system might not feel comfortable to be direct. Mm -hmm. And maybe I want to delegate, you know, to someone else, you know, like in a public place, you know, uh, there's been many times where I, I've directly inserted myself and assisted. And there have been times where my nervous system was like, mm, this doesn't feel very safe. So I have called 911. I have, if I'm at a store, I've gone and talked to uh, a manager or a worker. And if the worker's like, you know, teenager, I'm going to say, I need your help to find some, you know, because I know that they don't have that capability with their brain yet to, you know. So it just really depends. Um, I, I tell you, it's also giving ourselves permission to be human. And there is no right answer. 
you know, for every situation. It's learning how to figure it, figure out like what's going on, what are my options, what do I want to do, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What do I have the power to do? You know, if I can't speak it out loud, could I write a letter? Now, really encourage if you're the parent or a guardian um, and a kid comes to you, please listen and don't mm-hmm. dismiss or don't say things like, well, Uncle Johnny just really loves you. Yes. Uncle Johnny just wants to be your friend. Really take the time to listen because if your kid feels like something's off, it's our responsibility to talk yes. about it. That's the key, I think, for parents, if they can have a takeaway, is to stop and listen. Because when parents don't listen, that is creating a wound mm-hmm. for that child, you know, um, and to validate. And then if you have the ability to get a little curious and protect, you know, mm-hmm. protect to the best of your abilities. Let me put that in there. I wish there were more options. Mm. I wish there was a plan that would fit every single person's needs. And there's not. Mm -mm. There's really not. And if you think about it, you know, with our agency, we do education, but we're in the schools. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm wondering and I'm curious if we're maybe putting responsibility in a place that it shouldn't be. Well, and we've all, we've, um, we've known for a long time that best practice is to inform the parents, but the connection, it's hard to do. In what capacity mm-hmm. will the parents come in? Um, and we've tried a lot of different avenues for that. Uh, because it's just not something that people just necessarily want to come to, right? Hey, just think about how to keep thinking about us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Think about us in this moment. You know, we're professionals and we're like, yeah, we don't really like this either. You know, I mean, it is what it is, but you're right. It's, it's the parents, it's the guardians. It's, it's the trusted individuals Mm -hmm. that need to know proper responses. Mm -hmm places to go, people to contact, listening skills. And, you know, a lot of times I know you've experienced this in working with kids. Sometimes kids just need to be given permission. That's all it is. You know what? I think adults do too. To give permission to, um, it's okay to not attend family gatherings. Yep. It's okay to say to Uncle Johnny, you're a fucking perv. I don't know what your deal is, but you're a perv and perv can mean many different things. Or it's okay to tell uncle Johnny, you're not welcome in my house anymore. I think it's hard generally. I love that you said permissions. Um, I think it's hard generationally too, because I have a a family member in town and uh, he's not around my kids that often, but he's from a generation um, where when you know, he was like, well, come here, let me tickle you. And my kid said, stop. 
Um, and I said to him and addressed him and said, in our house, well, we weren't in our house. I was at a family member's house. Um, if my kid says stop, we're going to listen because it's his body. <laughs> and so the response I got from that family member was kind of like, I roll meets, oh Lord. Uh, and, you know, for me to be able to shrug it off and know that's okay, you can feel that way, but my kids' space and boundaries are going to be protected and I'm going to be the voice in this moment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you feel that way, that's fine. But here's the boundary that I'm setting. Mm-hmm. And even though he reacted in that way, he didn't do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just over a tickle. And, they, and this is the first time my kid has met this relative who's not in town that often. Um, and like I said, I'm aware I'm a bold woman. And so that can be a hard conversation to have with the family member or, mm-hmm. you know, and then the response that I got, oh, and of course, oh my God, he's just a kid. Yeah. 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 Hey, mom, chill out. No, it's a rule we have. He but said no. I th- yeah. <laughs> I think it is important just to, for adults to, to know that you have permission to, if it feels safest in your nervous system to just not respond or just not show up it's okay yep it's okay. so knowing that there's other ways yeah uh, yeah you're exactly right yeah. different ways to respond yep hmm. well this has been boy um you know just noticing in my nervous system and, and having choices that feels nice and that feels safe right our roller, our roller, our nervous system has been on like a little woo woo roller coaster in this, this hour that we spent together. So yeah. Well, Becky, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today with your knowledge and your wisdom and your thoughts. I really appreciate it. And I have no doubt that our listeners do too. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Miss Jennifer. Until next time. It's definitely cold in Kentucky, so stay frosty. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026 awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwild.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton. 
for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.